98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Weekly Blast. By all accounts, Kevin Durant is a very good chess player because his latest move is brilliant. He put the Nets in check. He demanded a head coach and a GM lose their jobs in order for him to play basketball in Brooklyn, and that is not going to happen. And now, for Kevin Durant to get to the Suns, he's going to have to follow that up with another ruthless maneuver, namely convincing everyone that he will not play basketball anywhere but Phoenix, Arizona, and that's going to take some real conviction and some real weirdness. Now, I believe the Nets are going to concede to Durant and trade Durant because there's no way anybody can walk this back. There is no way he can ever show up to a Steve Nash-led practice or a team meeting run by Sean Marks. He has torched those bridges to the ground. But I believe the Nets are not going to want to indulge Durant's preferred destination. Not after he put their head coach and GM on blast and I believe Adam Silver will be monitoring this very closely, making sure the Nets are not hit with another sucker punch, forced to take less than what their asset is worth and that is why you hear Miami, Boston, and Toronto as the teams remaining in the hunt. But there's something about the omission of the Suns from that list that really intrigues me because James Jones does his best work in the shadows. Shots are not fired from the bow with this guy, and when it comes to Jones, you do not see his haymakers until they land, and this one, this one would be quite the knockout. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury attainable with two great locations and one great experience. Find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. I mean, look, again, like... Obviously, there's all this noise around the Nets. There's been all this noise around the Nets for months. Frankly, there's been all this noise around the Nets for going back on almost four years now since Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving joined up to play with the Brooklyn Nets back in the summer of 2019. I mean, I was in Philadelphia in January of 2020 when Kyrie went down the roster and said, yeah, it's clear we need to have better pieces around me, Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, Garrett Temple, DeAndre Jordan, and Kevin Durant, and just left out half the roster that he was playing with. So basically, <laughs> yeah, we could throw these guys out of here and go get new players. Like, right. this is nothing new for this Brooklyn Nets team. They've been a, a scene of chaos for four years now. I don't think this is any different. If they get to training camp, it's going to be the same thing over again, and we're going to be talking about the latest as the world turns with the Nets for a few more months at least, I think. That's Tim Bontemps from ESPN on this morning's edition of uh, Get Up. Chaos seems to be the word. Soap opera, you hear all the descriptions of it. Certainly took another twist last night. Uh, Kevin Durant, the reporting from Sham Sharania that, uh, yeah, he does say to Joe Sy, you want to keep me? You got to trade. You got to uh, fire Steve Nash and Sean Marks, and yep. then you can keep me. So uh, the response from Joe Sy pretty quickly after the reporting of that was, hey, my front office and coaching staff have my support. We'll operate in the best interest of the Brooklyn Nets. You wonder, too, where, where Joe Sy is in all of this. I mean, the guy that owns the chaotic <laughs> franchise, how much does he want to wash his hands from this? Because Kevin Durant is not immune from criticism for that chaos existing in Brooklyn. No, he's, no. And he's the biggest reason why right now. And again, this is what's interesting to me about this is okay, if Joe Sy were to call Kevin Durant's bluff, what would the response be? If you were to say, okay, you got it. Tell me who you want as the uh, GM. We're going to get another, or no, tell me who you want as your head coach. I'll pick the GM. We'll make it work. 
uh, let's let's do this thing. I'd love to see what Kevin Durant would say in response to that. Um, because, again, if this is really about the obsession of Kevin Durant, and Vinny and I have both heard from different sources the same word used to describe Kevin Durant's feelings towards playing in Phoenix. Now, I don't know if that's changed. Um in the in the five weeks since I've heard that, but that's a pretty strong word to use. And so, what Kevin Durant just did with Joe Sy was he 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 doubled down uh, on this on this belief that he there's someplace he wants to get to. So, sacrificing, making heads roll, and uh, making these threats about Brooklyn don't matter to him because his heart's not there anymore, and he's going to do whatever it takes to get where he wants to go. So, the question becomes now: What does he think about the Celtics? What does he think? about the heat what does he think about the raptors well early on he was cool with going to the heat that was one of that the was, one of the two teams yes okay um that kind of morphed to just phoenix after that initial report then it was just phoenix and it's very interesting to me that the suns are not listed in the aggregate reporting from sham sharania about the team still in the hunt for kevin durant maybe 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 our, uh, what we said earlier is accurate, and that is that if this is going to have to be a one-on-one team negotiation, because that's what it feels like it's becoming. There's a lot of teams, there's a lot of reports now that uh, third parties do not want to get involved with this. They don't want to get involved to to satisfy Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. I said earlier in the show what has transpired in the last 24 hours kind of makes me think, all right, it's a long shot now for the mm-hmm. Suns to get. If it was a long Same. shot before, it's a much longer shot. But now let me just consider all possibilities. That's mm-hmm. what we have to do in these situations. Is it brilliant by Kevin Durant? Is it Sham Sharania not identifying the Suns as a viable landing spot because he they looked, are the landing spot? He looks at that one that one aspect you just talked about. If it's a one on one trade, no, the Suns don't have the, the the assets to make that happen. And people will always talk about Joe Sai used the language himself. We're going to operate in the best interest of the Brooklyn Nets. Right. That to me, and maybe Joe Sai and the Nets, if they're dead set against firing anybody, maybe they have similar thoughts. You have to consider two things. All right, what are you getting back? But what do you have to deal with in navigating your path to an Eastern Conference championship? Yeah. The old, all three teams that were mentioned in the article are all Eastern Conference teams. Mm-hmm. How much does that fact affect the thinking of what's best for the Brooklyn Nets? I, I'm sure it's in. I'm sure it's a consideration. It has to be. But if but if the package you are getting from the Celtics is far more of your liking than anything else, then I don't know if that holds you back. Because if you go, okay, we're getting Jalen Brown, and that this is an A minus player. Whereas Kevin Durant's an A plus, okay, we can build around that piece because that's better than Mikhail Bridges. That's better than Donovan Mitchell. That's better. You know, they can convince themselves of any number of things. And also, they can't just ignore it now. They can't no. go back and, and say like, "We're not trading you." I mean, and Kevin Durant plays for well, Steve Nash now. Uh, but I mean, yeah, like, that's so, but that's my that was that was my central uh, thesis so of the blast is that I, that's the brilliance of this move. You can't just ignore this now. You but, can't expect okay. him to roll into practice when he's yes. put the, when he's asked for those guys' jobs. Right. So my follow up to that then is if it was truly Phoenix as his one and only destination, why did he wait so long to do this move? Why did he wait till after they you know resigned? DeAndre Ayton and all this. Why didn't Kevin Durant go to them months ago and say it's either me or them? I think that's a fair question. But because now I th- he's he's saying that, and and you know, by most accounts, the Suns 
can't be the team. Well, or or maybe Kevin Durant's second preference is to get out of Brooklyn and and be somewhere else like Miami or maybe Boston. Well, I wonder, too, about those teams that are mentioned. Mm-hmm. Jared brings up how much time has passed. June 30th, we're now at August 9th, so we're looking at, what, six weeks close mm-hmm. to? Yep. How much has the thinking changed of those three organizations? The Celtics, we know there was a long, you know, a, a, a widely reported offer that was shot down. Mm-hmm. Have they moved past that now? Some of the reporting from Boston indicates that maybe they're thinking that way. I, I do. I think it would make sense for the Boston Celtics to blow it up right now for Kevin Durant. No, because they're one year into this run. They got very close. They got as close as the Suns did last year. Now, the Suns failed in that second year. I could see them being a little bit more desperate. Does Miami want to blow it up? Can they blow it up? Toronto, of those three teams, makes the most sense to me. Without it, Because of the assets, and they are the furthest away from a championship of those three teams mentioned. That would be putting everything into the middle of the table and going for it where they don't have the track record with this current group of players that shows that they're championship ready. Right, yeah. Um, Yeah, listen, so again, it's really going to be interesting to see if if there's going to be any any wiggle room on Kevin Durant's uh, part when it comes to executing this trade because I think, as you've said, Josiah's response made it very clear he's not going to oblige Kevin Durant's demand and because you in terms of precedent that would just be that would be ludicrous to allow a star player clear out your entire front office and your coach right that's 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 never been done before but it's now it's really going to be i i kevin durant's going to have to even get grimier if he if phoenix is really going to be the place yeah Threaten to retire. How much grimier can you? I guess, I know. I guess that's I mean, more grimy. That's really, I, <laughs> there's not a lot other than that. Yeah. Coming up next, we've seen very little of Kyler Murray this training camp for the Arizona Cardinals for a number of different reasons. How big is the concern level on that front as they get close to their preseason opener? That and more Cardinals training camp talk next. Bickley and Murata mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Camp Takeoff 2022 is a go. Coverage presented by 72 Souls and Kona Brewing. The home of Arizona Cardinals football. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Camp Takeoff 2022 with Bigley and Marana. Yeah, we'll ease him back in uh, this week and hopefully by the end of the week uh, he'll feel good enough to cut it loose and... and um, keep it rolling, but we, we want to be smart. Cliff Kingsbury yesterday, prior to training camp practice at State Farm Stadium on Kyler Murray, you know, late last week, Kyler coming back from COVID on Saturday, Cliff Kingsbury said, uh, you know, uh, he initially said earlier in the week, mm-hmm. hopefully by the end of the week, we'll have him back and ready to go. And then it was Monday. Uh, now it's, you know, Tuesday. I, I, I don't expect much increase in what we see from Kyler Murray this week. If they're no. really, truly easing him in. Maybe, just maybe, you, you, there's a possibility he gets some snaps in the second preseason game next week, which yeah. is kind of the dress rehearsal now with this shortened preseason. <laughs> right. What I couldn't get past, Bick, though, is like watching the drills yesterday out at State Farm Stadium and seeing Kyler Murray go through those drills, but not completing even the shortest or most casual of throws with his right hand. Yeah, that's a little troubling, isn't it? Yes. Yes. And and uh, again, this this organization is so um so opaque when it comes to injury 
and being forthright about what guys are dealing with that you don't know that it's it's you can worry about this and wonder okay is is this problematic I, I, I do I do believe a couple things. Okay, if the offense fundamentally is not dramatically different than last year, and a lot of people hope that it would be, including Ron Wolfley, then then I think that this is not this is not a big deal. If you're if it's basically the last year's playbook with some wrinkles and some different faces and some different deployments of guys, then then I'm sure Kyler Murray can just you know low pro this all the way to week one and and be effective. But you you don't know how severe this is. You you just don't. If he's throwing, if he's not even throwing the ball in practice, that's quite something. Yeah, I don't so, think we're having this discussion. If, if yesterday, even in those individual drills before the team portion of practice, Kyler Murray goes through all the footwork drills, which he looked adept at, mm-hmm. as you would expect. But if he's just you know lobbing a pass with his right arm, but to see him like shift his body, and well, that means he, awkwardly left handed. Right, that means he's probably having a real hard time fully gripping the football with yeah. his right hand. Uh, can we give Kyler Murray credit? We we uh, gave him credit um, for the for the autograph thing on Saturday. Yes. Kyler Murray also did a real solid thing because as a result or resulting from that practice on on Saturday, there was a a video that went semi-viral in the Cardinals community. uh, And a Cardinals super fan got a hold of the video and kind of put it out there and said, you know, this kid, it was a video of the kid reacting to losing a Kyler Murray jersey that was autographed. Or it was uh, taken from him. Taken, yeah. yeah, Mm. But he he lost it. It it was uh, taken from him. He said somebody took it. So the the video made the rounds, and Kyler Murray um, didn't respond until he had a fully autographed black color rush Kyler Murray jersey with, I don't know, three dozen autographs on the back of it and said, jersey's on the way, bro. Yeah, that's great. What I've seen, we haven't seen the growth on the field because of whatever reason, COVID, injury, Mm -hmm. holdout, whatever, or contract status, whatever. But those two examples, to me, yeah. really show a growth by Kyler. Murray. I agree. Like I'm more comfortable agree. here. This is my team. This is the things that I. These are the things that I need to do. Yeah, there's a there's a recognition and awareness that hey, this would this this is something I need to start doing, and that is engaging with fans, connecting with fans, uh, because it, it will only help him. In the long run, mm-hmm. clearly, and and so the fact now that year four, there's uh, clearly this is his football team. It it was his football team last year, but I think now the 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 contract really kicks that in, and I'm glad to see it. I really am. I was I was happy to see him uh, signing autographs 45 minutes after the practice on Saturday. That's a little unusual, mm-hmm. but but very very. Um, I just think it's a smart thing to do, and it it shows that he's thinking outside his own comfort zone. Even yesterday during the team portion of practice and, and, and Kyler standing behind the place with the other quarterbacks who are not taking that specific rep, um, fans getting a little restless maybe, but a mm-hmm. lot of them would be like, Kyler! And he would turn around and acknowledge the fans and wave, and that got a response. And I think the reason for that mostly, Bick, is because uh, f- from the fan standpoint, is uh, watching football practice is one of the most boring activities a human being can endeavor. It's, it's. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's very, very difficult for me to do. I, uh, I have the utmost respect for guys who can go to football practice, uh, Ken Summers, Mike Jarecki, and watch and see what you're supposed to see, meaning... That number forty. Where's number forty-eight? 
nowhere to be found. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, look, look at that formation. Look what. The, oh, that's interesting. That kind of stuff. It's like when I want when I want to watch football, I want to watch football. Yeah. I don't want to watch you know right. formations and group drills. Well, I don't want to watch my dinner being cooked. I, I want to eat it. Right. Well, it's listen. It's I, I say this all the time for anybody who's ever covered the Olympics. You go and you cover track and field, and it blows your mind because there's five six things happening at once. Yeah. You watch it on television. It's all streamlined. But Same it, thing with gymnastics. Right. Too. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. exact same thing. So you got the vaulters going on the same time as the parallel bars at the same time, and it's like what? What? Yeah. And it's it's the same thing with football practice. Somehow, yeah. like Wolf and and Luke have been broadcasting from Wolf's another guy that Wolf. obviously can watch football and Wolf see can it. watch it in the middle of broadcasting. Yeah. He'll be like, well, oh, Luke, they just did the four seven eight five Horfloffer package. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> and Luke will be like, uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> Oh, that was a good look impression. Four seven eight five Horfloffer. Yeah, right. look for, look for right. that one this year. <laughs> it's the Mungo Beanfield special. Yeah, in the right. second quarter they're gonna. <laughs> a uh, listener pointed uh, that out too. The trivia question from yesterday: that Mungo is actually one of the middle names of Hugh Grant. He's got two middle names, John and Mungo. But if you took out the John, his name would be Hugh Mungo Grant. <laughs> <laughs> Hugh Mungo. <laughs> I wonder if that was part of it. <laughs> What a humongo baby. (laughs) That's amazing. Uh, Coming up next, we'll get more info and intel on the Kevin Durant situation with the Nets, what it means moving forward. We'll be joined by Alex Schiffer, covers the Nets for The Athletic. That's next, Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Tuesday edition of Bickley and Murata Mornings, coming to you live from the Auction Community Studios here at 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Big story in basketball yesterday. Kevin Durant doubles down, gives the trade me or fire Nash and Mark's ultimatum to Joe Sy here to talk about it with us. Covers the Nets for the athletic Alex Schiffer, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. Alex, thanks so much for joining us again. How are you? Oh, uh, you know, this is supposed to be the quiet time of the offseason. I guess that doesn't exist here. How are Not you guys? for you, brother. Not for you. <laughs> like sands through the hourglass. These are the days of the Nets' lives. Um, I, I, look, I know um, what, what transpired yesterday, what was reported, and then the, the tweet from Joe Sy himself who said, I, I back the front office and the coaching staff. Um, the, it, I mean, right now, is there any decision for Joe Sy to be made? Does he have a choice in what he does with that being the first communication he had with the outside world? You know, it's a good question. I, I think there's really good arguments for both sides. I would argue that getting in front of this isn't, isn't the worst option. And also, you know, if he were to do this, I mean, it, it probably would be unprecedented, right? Uh, an owner choosing one player over the rest of the franchise and cleaning house you know, from everybody above in order to keep them happy, it would set a dangerous precedent in in the organization, also in, in sports probably as to what, you know, what what's allowed and what's not allowed and, and what can you get away with and not. So I, I feel like him shooting it down quickly wasn't the worst move because it kind of is like, no, we're not doing this. You know, we'll, we'll find a trade partner at some point. Kind of gets rid of any lingering suspicion or – any idea that that this could be entertained. Yeah, and I think it adds some urgency to it as well because you certainly can't expect you know Kevin Durant to walk into a practice led by Steve Nash anytime soon. And same with Sean Marks now that he's burned those bridges. All right, let me ask you this: If I would, dis- if I don't want to cut you off, but I would, I might disagree with that. Really, we've seen it before, right? I mean, Carmelo Anthony played wanted a trade out of Denver and played half the season before getting dealt. 
Dwight Howard wanted Stan okay. Van Gundy fired in 2012 and still played through it. So we have – it's not a one-to-one. Those guys didn't, as you said, burn the bridge the way Kevin has. But there is some precedence for it in, in a slightly okay. different capacity. Okay. I, 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 th- I, I No, no. I, I think the fact that, that he's asked for two heads, that's unprecedented, as you po- pointed out. Okay. That's certainly, I guess, a possibility. Um, it, when it comes to the Phoenix Suns, they are not listed on Sham Sharania sh- – Sharania's list of teams that are still in the running to trade for Kevin Durant because they don't have the assets that interest Brooklyn from what we've been able to tell. Where does this thing go in your mind if Kevin Durant is just hell-bent on playing for the Phoenix Suns? It's interesting, you know, I don't know if there's a great answer for that just because I I think traditionally we've seen when a star wants to go to a certain team, they tend to get their wish. I mean, Paul George going to team up with Kawhi with the Clippers is a quick one that comes to mind. Um, and, and Oklahoma City granting that. But, you know, I, I think there's two things here. Obviously, as you said, you know, DeAndre Ayton signing the extension, same with Devin Booker. Obviously, he was never really tradable to begin with. I mean, there isn't, and, and there's been a lack of other teams interested in helping the Nets get a deal done. I mean, the Nets already didn't know Kevin Durant anything before yesterday's news. Now I think that's even more so the case. So I don't – I. You know, we've t- like I said about teams tend to give stars their wishes. I feel like this is a case where it's like almost like why would you give him his way after the way this is all gone? Right. right. So I, I don't. I mean, anything's possible as this new cycle has proven to me. Um, but I just it, it's a big leap for my brain to make on paper in terms of how they can get a deal done, yeah. and frankly, why teams would be interested in helping the Nets after already not doing so, and and the lack of assets available. Alex Schiffer from The Athletic, our guest here on uh, Bickley and Murata Mornings. Along those lines, using Joe Sy's language, operating in the best interest of the Brooklyn Nets. We were talking about this earlier. To me, and maybe I'm wrong in thinking this way, Alex, that does not only include what the package is coming back. To me, I think there's at least a little bit of a factor of where Kevin Durant lands. And those three teams listed in that article are are, all... Eastern Conference uh, opponents, I imagine, you know, in an ideal world, Joe Sy would not want to deal or have uh, Kevin Durant dealt to an Eastern Conference team. How much do you think that factors into all of it? Not as much as you think, just because they just traded James Harden a few months ago in division. So they have to see him, you know, whatever it is, four, eight times a year, six times. Um, So they're going to be seeing plenty of him. It, It would be crazy to me if the Celtics deal happened just because, Kyrie leaves Boston. Kevin comes in. Um, the full circleness of the the Kevin Garnett yeah. Paul Pierce trade. The, all the dynamics and storylines there. But I I think this is the biggest move in the history of the Nets franchise of the last twenty years, if not maybe ever. And they can't screw this up. So I I think location aside, they need to get the best possible return for him. And if that were to hypothetically be the Knicks, I think you do it. If it's the Sixers, you do it. Like I I think. I think there's too much at stake to worry about optics at, at a point. What What do you think would happen? And, and I, I agree with you that precedence-wise, you can't indulge Kevin Durant's uh, ask of getting rid of Sean Marks and, and Steve Nash. But what if you were to call his bluff? What do you think the reaction would be? Do you think that would really actually work for Kevin Durant? I think that's the question. You know, I, I'm not entirely sure. And, you know, his word doesn't carry a lot of weight right now, given he was just endorsing Steve Nash after the season yeah, ended. Yeah. And it's not like – I mean, Steve Nash had a quiet offseason. He's been on vacation, and he uh, 
he, it's not like he's coached another game since Kevin Durant made that comment and gave him reason to, to change his mind. <laughs> so I don't really, I don't really believe that. I mean, they just gave Steve, uh, Kevin everything he wanted, really. I mean, the whole coaching staff, if you look at Steve's coaching staff last year, almost every assistant, but Jock Vaughn had a tie to Kevin at some point or another in his career. The roster, he's had a ton of say in. I mean, if, if you can't make him happy with everything you've given him, what, why is this going to be the thing that changes it? Alex Schiffer covers the Nets for the Athletic. He's our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. Um, let's focus on, on Steve Nash and, to a lesser degree, Sean Marks right now. Look, I didn't watch every Nets game. I read all, all the headlines. I know what Steve Nash and Sean Marks dealt with. It was a circus last year. But in terms of his ability to coach NBA players, did you think that was an issue during the, the season at all? You left me out of that, man. I've dealt with all this, too. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to absolve yeah, you, Alex. Right. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's it's interesting. I mean, I don't well, – I get asked about Steve as a coach all the time, and, and I kind of give him maybe uh, too much so kind of like an incomplete because, I mean, he had – the original roster for his first year got blown up for the James Harden trade. Then those guys went out of the lineup the whole time. More so this year with Kyrie out of the equation for half the year. So, I mean, he's never really had a chance, in my opinion, to prove what kind of coach he is with a roster with continuity, not always in flux. You know, I think guys get up hard and play hard for him. You know, when in December when they had the COVID outbreaks, and there was a game against the Magic. I understand they had the top pick, but, you know, Blake Griffin and Patty Mills were their two offensive focal points. And they had like eight guys on 10-day contracts, many of which Steve Nash met that morning. And those guys were buying in. He was getting them to produce and find ways for them to get shots. And I, I thought it said a lot about his ability to, to motivate and, and get something out of guys when he just met them that morning and didn't really know a lot about their game because of the, the unprecedentedness of the, the COVID outbreaks. But then again, in the playoffs, you know, I didn't think that there was a lot of um, – there was a lot of adjustments both in-game and throughout the series with the Celtics. And I've, I've had other coaches on other teams say to me that, you know, sometimes we think that he doesn't really change much. So I, I, don't, I, I don't know if there's a verdict on him right now just because of, of everything he's been dealt. And, and that's why I thought this coming year was a big year for him. And now it might be so in a different case. Yeah, uh, I'm curious on that, too, because um, I saw some reporting in the New York Post that you know, Kyrie Irving has the same stance as, as Kevin Durant does on both Nash and Marks. Do you think that could potentially influence any ultimate decision in all of this, Alex? No, because, you know, first off, Kyrie's had the frequent absences. And again, you know, the, the net stance has always been they were going to deal with Kyrie after um, after they deal with the Kevin situation. You know, first Kyrie holds out. He wants to find a side-and-trade partner. Then there's been reports lately that him and the Nets are in a good place, but that's mostly come from his side. You know, there's so much cloudiness with him. It, it would not stun me if there's some last-minute trade to the Lakers that's, that somehow worked out before the season or if they just play it out with him regardless of how it goes and then he walks in free agency. So Kyrie's got one year left on his deal compared to the four with Kevin. I, I think it's a totally different game given yeah. that I have a hard time believing Kyrie Irving is a net at this time next year. Alex, great stuff as always. Yeah, Thanks thank so much you, for joining us and filling us in on all the latest. We appreciate it. No, I love joining you guys. Take care out there. Thanks. Alex Schiffer covers the Nets for The Athletic. He joined us on the Arizona Sports Line. Coming up next, there is a person who really, really wants you to go to Arizona Wildcats football games this year. Just so happens he's the head coach. We'll give you more next. Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 
Takeoff 2022 is a go. Coverage presented by 72 Souls and Kona Brewing. The home of Arizona Cardinals football. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Camp Takeoff 2022 with, with Bigley and Murata. Yeah, a little bit of news from Camp Takeoff today. Morning practice going on. Starting at 8.30 this morning, Darren Urban from azcardinals.com mm-hmm. putting out some video of Kyler Murray throwing passes with his right arm. See, I told you everything was fine. Hey, you know, no, I'm kidding. I'm a, I'm a worry wart. <laughs> no, no, I, listen, I, I'm the same way, and it's only because of the history of the Cardinals and, and the obfuscation, if you will, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, just the, the paranoia of not wanting any injury information to get into the public realm. And so that, to me, with what we had seen the last five, six days led me to have, you know, cause for concern. So I'm very, I'm happy about that because that's the one thing, that's the deal breaker for the Arizona Cardinals. If they, they have no chance with this roster without that quarterback, no chance. I tend to agree with that. Yeah. So, so to me, that's, this is file this away is good news. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we'll have more as the day goes on from uh, camp takeoff today. Is that uh, winding down? All right. Believe it or not, winding down <laughs> the training camp. First preseason game uh, coming up on Friday against the Cincinnati Bengals and then a home uh, preseason game next week against Baltimore. Um, down south. Jed Fish and the Arizona Wildcats preparing for the season. His second season as uh, the head coach of the Wildcats. And this was interesting. He took out a full-page ad in a Tucson newspaper um, with one single goal in mind. And Mm -hmm. that is something that he's hit on in the past, but now it's in print form. Uh, My fellow Wildcats, it reads, we are fewer than 30 days away from the start of the 2022 Arizona football season. On Saturday, August 20th, we will play a mock game and would love for you to join us. But this this note is not about the mock game. It's about this Arizona football season and your investment in the program. He wants to break attendance records. Shatter attendance records. Shatter attendance Mm. records. Um, and he wants 50,000 screaming Wildcats is what makes Arizona Stadium one of the hardest places to play in the country. Our fans are game-changing, and we need you. He, They do have a good schedule. It opens up September 10th against uh, Mississippi State, their home schedule. Um, but he says, the desert is rising. Rise with us. There are over a million people living in Tucson and over 40,000 students at the University of Arizona. Together, we can fill the stadium and create an environment our fans can enjoy, make it personal, which is their slogan, and bear down. The the, uh, stadium seats 50,782. I think they averaged like 31,000 last year. We got that 782 fill every game. (laughs) It's just those other 50,000 have been problematic. (laughs) Don't worry about that. Here's the part of the ad that I really like. Everything to the right of the comma you've got handled, right? Okay. All right. You got that handled. Amber Uh, and I, and Amber's his wife, Amber and I bought our season tickets and we need you to do the same. Oh, okay. Who's your agent, Jed Fish? Yeah. First of all, we know there's going to be at least one empty seat in the stands. <laughs> right. That's right. season tickets. <laughs> That's true. That's Who funny. negotiated the deal where you're not getting season tickets for you and your wife? Yeah. Listen, I, 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 there's something very collegial and homespun and, and down home about this, isn't there? Oh, yeah. Appealing to that kind of sensibility. Yeah. Hey, my wife and I made the purchase. Right. Get on board with you us. You and your wife should do the same. Where's your Tucson pride? Is that a thing? 
I'm joking. Just of as course. much as Tempe Pride. <laughs> well, and my, I, wife, my wife, and my wife, my I, wife and I purchased season tickets. <laughs> oh my god! That's great really success. Yag Shabash. Check we. Yeah. The um, I, I I think ASU knows better than to even attempt something like that. People would go, "Oh, give me a it break." It is different. It, it, and here's the thing: is like one of the strengths. The University of Arizona has, from an athletic backing standpoint, is it is the only game in town. A, Unless you're yeah. considering Roadrunners hockey, there's not they much else to do sporting-wise. Textbook college town, Vinny. So, kind of at the heart of it, I agree Tucson's a big enough city. The alumni base is what it is, even in Phoenix, for people to drive down to enjoy the games at Arizona Stadium. It's not out of the realm of possibility. It's just really weird timing when you're coming off a one-win season. Hmm. To be that <laughs> focused on, mm-hmm. but they're coming off a great recruiting class, and I well, will say it, again, yeah, it, it also is. It's one of the few years in recent history where there does seem to be a little more excitement about the U of A football team than the ASU football team going into the season. Have you, have you ever seen the guy guys that rank high school recruiting classes, Jarrett? <laughs> what, what a, a dork! dork. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah. So take that with a grain of a salt. Of, a lot of crumbs on their t-shirts. And <laughs> a lot of Buster them look stains like, on A their, lot of them look like yeah. Jared, quite uh, honestly. <laughs> Wait a second. So yeah, listen. So I, I I think that I think the more appropriate thing would be put put a good season on the field, yeah. then do that. It's Look, a, it's it seems a little premature. I'm on record as saying I think Field of Dreams is a garbage movie, but the saying is if you build it, he will come. <laughs> uh huh. Build it first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but some people say like part of the and we've seen this with ASU with the basketball team, you know, like part of the. The way to make us good is to create that atmosphere. Yeah. I don't know what he's talking about, about like one of the toughest places to play in the Pac-12. <laughs> I don't think they've historically been that at all. No. No. They, they used to be that weird venue in November where they would win games they had no business winning. Yeah, they they were good for one, one every season. They'd, they'd ruin one Oregon. Saturday yeah. afternoon when they'd beat Oregon. Yeah, they'd yes. ruin Oregon yeah. or UCLA's right. year right. every year. Stanford, whatever. Right. Yeah, but right. we haven't seen that in a minute, so. And their home schedule is pretty rough. Oh, it is tough. They have two non-conference games. Who's their road non-conference game against? Uh, San Diego State. They open up against oh. them. They could go 0-3 a, in the non-conference. Soon, soon a conference game. I, I was yeah. going to say, that could be the last year it's not a conference game. Yeah. Speaking of that, did you see that, I guess, the reports are that uh, ESPN is officially out of the Big Ten negotiations. We were getting there, Jared. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. Well, we have one minute till We break, were getting so. there. <laughs> I thought I'd steer you towards them. I appreciate you grabbing yeah, thank the you, steering Jerry. wheel. It's always a good idea. Yeah. And Jerry, finally, Vinny, I don't know if you saw wheel. this, but ESPN is out of bidding for Big Ten football. Thank you, Vince. So, so the Pac-12, it's their lifeline. Where'd you see that? <laughs> type that in the Twitter. See where that. Oh my God. I didn't think it was that funny, but I, I, how could, I appreciate that. How could any any, any network feel comfortable negotiating with a conference that might not exist, though? That's, that's what I don't understand. Well, and what exactly, who's got leverage? That's that's really the big question here. I mean, the two are tied together. The ESPN can be the lifeline for the Pac-12. It will exist if ESPN invests in it. No, I, I, I like Jared's idea. I can't believe I'm saying it. That just a loose marriage with the ACC. A loose marriage, like you can eh? fool around with other conferences. (laughs) That's right. right. One weekend a month. Yeah. No questions asked. 
We swing, baby. <laughs> that should no, be the, the Pac-12 slogan this year. We swing, baby. <laughs> Their logo is an upside yeah, down Yeah, Give pineapple. us a call. <laughs> yup. <laughs> well, also, though, because of this new relationship with the ESPN thing, they think that might also end the Big Ten ACC uh, challenge in basketball. So how about an ACC Pac-12 connection in basketball. You can have it in both conferences. I mean, those were two-thirds of that so-called alliance that was uh, struck up by a handshake yeah. last year. How much did that thing blow up? <laughs> How about it? Alliance. How about it? Forming alliances on handshakes in college athletics in 2021. Well, that's when it happened. You know, I just that's not reali- a good idea. I just realized I left a bag of hand fruit in my car <gasps> since this morning. Oh, my gosh. Should I go it's get not it? that hot today, luckily. Uh, right. Hold on. A, a bag of hand fruit. Yeah, I brought... what, what's in the bag? Two peaches. A pear, a pear, a nectar. Two peaches. Gwyneth Paltrow's head. Two peaches. Two peaches. Luckily, it's not as hot today. Love that song. One, two, peaches, Neil Biffle. <laughs> We're totally off the rails. Why not just go fall out? Uh, speaking of off the rails, social studies next with Sarah Cazell. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.